Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 2, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is a podcast dedicated to all things food, from recipe ideas to interviews with chefs, producers, purveyors, farmers, and people who just love culinary adventures like myself. So join us here on Fridays to explore the world through the lens of food, and together we can share some yummy food, some laughs, and I welcome you here at my table always. And if you're ready, let's go on a food adventure together starting right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is Season 2, Episode 23, coming at ya. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for being here. If you've been here a while, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> what am I going to say? Don't take notes. I've taken your notes. Go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. And while you're there, check out my amazing food and product photography. It's what I do for a living. I'm a professional. I make gorgeous photos of beautiful things. So if you need some, hire me. I'm awesome. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I really am. Um, You've got questions for the podcast. If you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary soothing of any kind whatsoever, I got you. I got you, boo. Send me an email, let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And of course, tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. All right, you guys, let's do this. Let's go on a food adventure. So how's everyone doing? I am good. It is summer. Life is chugging along. I am going to full disclosure. I am recording this a week ahead of time because I have a huge list of shoots coming up. So I'm trying to record a few podcasts um, in advance and then, you know, release them as the weeks go by. And so if anything political or uh, crazy or just insane happens in the world and I'm not commenting on here about it, I apologize um, because right now, (laughs) as of this moment, that crazy shit hasn't happened yet. And I have a feeling that something probably will happen because of the world we live in now. And so um, if something does, it's not that I'm ignoring it. It's just I'm recording these in advance. So I just thought I would put that out there Uh, because, you know, I like to try to be on topic. And I rarely record the intros uh, too far out just in case something happens, something needs to change, whatever. But um, because yours truly is so busy with shoots between now and, well, kind of for the rest of the summer. Um, Yeah, I'm straight out. So awesome. So awesome. I'm living my best life right now. Truly could not be any happier. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the second part of our conversation about coffee with Monica. We're having some more coffee talk. So before we get started with this, I'm going to say, wait, we need music. Hold on. Let me get the fun music. Doesn't this fun music just make it that much better? It really does. It really does. So I'm going to say this. If you did not listen to last week's episode, the first part of this conversation, stop. Stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. No, I'm kidding. Stop. Go back and listen to the first one because, 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 because of the wonderful things I, I does. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm on a roll right now. Uh, maybe I had a extra cup of coffee this morning. I think I did. 
Um, <laughs> I want you to get the full picture of this conversation. So listen to part one first, then jump back in here and listen to part two. But Monica is a dream. She's amazing. So grab your favorite cup of coffee and let's get into part two of my wonderful conversation with Monica Rosales. Okay. So I guess because there's so many wrong ways and so many mistakes people make, what's the right way? Okay. So you are, you already picked up the freshest beans possible. Yep. You have the perfect grind for your brewing method, yep. whether it be your French press or your Chemex, which I love that you do. And I mean, they don't call it a slow pour for nothing, right? No, like, it's worth it though. Yeah, absolutely. So usually in the morning, you know, and I have so many different brewing methods at my house, um, but I slave the Chemex for the weekend, just where mm-hmm. I can really, really save it, savor it and love it. Um, but I also like, I want my coffee now. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um, and so, or you're going to make a pot of coffee. So, you know, then you're going to want to make sure that you have the right ratio, um, for your, you know, for your brewing method. So if you're going to do like a French press, you know, we talk ratios, like a standard recipe, and then you're going to have to dial it up or down based Mm -hmm. on your ideal flavor profile, but it could be about one to 12 in, you know, like a tablespoon of coffee for every four ounces of water. Now I always, if I'm doing French press and I do love a French press, I always throw a tablespoon in just for the pot. Like, let's just Uh give that an extra thing. And then I always do like heaping tablespoons, but again, I like a really rich, strong cup of coffee and actually depending, it doesn't even really matter what the, the, uh, roast profile is. If it's in, if it's a lighter one, I'm going to add even more. Cause I just want that richness to come through mm-hmm. of the bean itself. Okay. All right. So then we're going to get into water temperature. Mm -hmm. uh, so water temperature is critical Mm -hmm. so ideal water temperature is between 195 and 205 yep anything less than that you're not going to get the proper extraction and anything over that you're not going to get the proper extraction either uh so that is huge and something that's really important for whether it be your chemex or your french press or whatever you're doing is to preheat your container and to preheat your cup. So I preheat my cup, but I don't preheat my container. Do tell. Okay. So, um, well, why do you preheat your cup? Because I want the coffee to stay warmer longer. Right. Okay. So that would be the same exact reason why you preheat your container. Um, And especially with the Chemex and the French press, um, usually they're non-insulated, you know, um, containers. And so they're just going to go, they're going to get cooler faster. Mm -hmm. Okay. So super important. um, And that is something that like, we like, you know, I've done trainings all over the place with, you know, resorts and restaurants and all of that. So like for French press service, um, you're always going to preheat everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And 
So super important. And, you know, like I, you know, I have like my kettle and, um, you know, if you're not, you know, you don't have to take the temperature of it every single time, you know, in some coffee places, like you will see them doing it because it truly is a science, but you bring it to a rolling boil, you know, take it off the heat and then let it sit for a moment. And generally that will get you to the right temperature. Yeah. I have an electric kettle that has a temperature readout on it and I have it set for 205 and I usually pull it at 202 and then I, that's just how I roll. I think another important thing is what kind of water should one use? Okay. Well, that is an excellent question. Um, so depending on the water that you have, so I'm in the like San Francisco area and we actually have great water. Um, so I use tap water. I mean, we have like filtered water, um, but I just use regular tap water. Um, you actually need some minerals in the water and like you can't use a distilled water that wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, um, chains out there that actually have like RO systems built in. And so they will reverse osmosis their water and just, you know, so that, you know, consistently wherever you are in the U S with this chain that you have the right water. So, um, I worked at a company that had this amazing lab. It was like a gold certified lab and from um, the specialty coffee association of America, SCAA, um, a wonderful resource to look up information on coffee. Um, but they could recreate water from anywhere, um, in the world. So they would, you know, they would have to do an analysis of the water and they might send it to a lab. So, I mean, I had places where I would have a water kit and get a sample of water, send it in, and they would give us the, like the content of the water. So then if we had to filter the water specifically for anything, um, we could do that. That's insane. Like that's how you make authentic, you know, dough from uh, Napoli. That's how you're going to make the best bagels from New York. Like you're going to reverse engineer the water to make yeah. sure that's in, that's insane. But so with tap water though, if depending on where you live in the world, if you've got too much chlorine in your tap water, that's going to, you know what I mean? There are some oh, yeah. places that oh, have. Definitely. And so, and again, considering that coffee is 99% or over 99% water, having a high quality water is important. So when I would go out on coffee demos, I mean, sometimes we would lug equipment with us and, you know, we would even sometimes have to bring a pump system with us and bring, you know, big five gallon drums of water with us. Um, because they had like really hard water. I worked with an account, up in um, like the uh, like the Healdsburg area of Northern California, they had just tremendously hard water. And you know, you have hard water if you have like little water stains, you know, on your faucet or on your coffee maker, all of that. And um, you know, people talk about hard water and the first, you know, and I've seen that, but one of um, the service techs that I worked with, he actually took a container and he scooped the like crystallized like minerals out of the coffee tank. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is really hard water. So for this um, account, <clears throat> 
in particular, we had to have like a really large redundancy of equipment and we would go in on a quarterly, you know, maintenance program and just swap out equipment and then go and rebuild the coffee tanks. Wow. That's incredible. So I think then the next question is because we're not going to get into the nuance of every single way to make coffee because we, 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 this would be a, a 10 part podcast episode, but I do think we could highlight because we've gone through the, the process is basically the same for every method you're going to make coffee that you just kind of outline, right? Like yeah. for the most part, but I think what would be kind of cool if you can off the top of your head, maybe this can be like a little quick lightning round of how you just said with the French press, you would do one tablespoon plus one for the pot for every four ounces of water, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So could we go through a couple more methods and you could kind of riff on them for a second? Yeah. Well, like, you know, like a okay. score. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to list off the method. Oh, okay. All right. And you're right, going like, to, we're in a speed round. Okay. Yeah, it's a little speed <laughs> roundy. Uh, a mocha pot. You know what? I, I don't work with mocha pots that often. Ooh, yeah. Nice. So you're going to have to look like, I mean, we could like Google look that at SCAA yeah. um, for that, but that would be, uh, yeah. You're, it's a you're very common uh, household way to brew espresso in Italy. Every good Italian family in Italy has a mocha pot that you put on your stove and you just, it's like a pressure cooker for your coffee real quick on the sort of, I mean, it percolates. It's not not truly an espresso. No. And so, um, and I, and again, like this wouldn't be something that you would see like in like a commercial, you know, application um because espresso um you know you're talking about bars of pressure you know grams of coffee the proper tamp that's like 30 pounds of pressure and there are so many things that you can look at just visually um if an espresso is made properly or not properly but yeah no i mean obviously i've heard of mocha pots i just i don't have one and so i'm just not like familiar Mm -hmm. with the best practices are going to be for that no worries okay chemex okay so chemex love the chemex um and uh, the slow pour so a standard recipe. And again, with all of these recipes, you're going to dial it up or down based on your preference for, you know, the coffee profile, but ratio would be about, about one to 17. And again, um, what does that mean? One, like for every, um, 17 grams of water, you would use one gram of coffee or, Or, um, I mean, we talk in, you know, teaspoons, tablespoons. So again, you could use like, again, like I would probably venture for a little bit stronger, like one to two tablespoons of coffee for every six ounces of water. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. And then I always do one for the pot. Well, everyone gets one for the pot. I always do one. I have to. Just who I am. I'm like, yeah, you need a little more. Um, Exactly. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. so sorry, just something like super um, important with the slow pour is the little, like this, like the little spigot on your, uh, on your pot. So you need a really, really small 
um, you know, stream of water going over your grounds. You do. And with those filters, correct me if I'm wrong. So the filter I have, it's like goes up in the little triangle and then it's got like one side is double yep. sided, right? Always make sure the double-sided one is next to the pore spout that, yep. because that'll help the airflow the air. and it going exactly. down. And you'll know when you do it wrong because it will <laughs> be on your countertop. Yes, absolutely. Yep. But so super important. Do you, um, with your hot water, do you give it a little rinse before you put your coffee grounds in? <sighs> You, you do as of tomorrow, sorry, you do. do as of tomorrow morning. I will. And that's funny. You say that because every time I do it, I think I probably should do something different because there is a little smell when you, uh -huh, it yep. smells a little chlorine. -y. Yeah. So, um, you know, they even have unbleached ones. So I, I get the unbleached ones, but okay. that also, so here we go though, that yeah. also is part of your preheating the pot, right? Yeah. So you yeah. can just pour the water through your filter, ah. let it go into the pot and then there you have it. And now, then put your coffee in. Yeah. And then af after you dump, then put your, uh, your grounds in. So you, oh, okay. Wait, 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 wait. So empty, empty Camax filter yep. in just quick zhuzh of water, dump that water out, put the wet filter back in and then the coffee grounds in. So, and so you can actually use the dridge, like the zhuzh of water through your filter as a way to preheat your pot. So you don't have to preheat it prior okay. if you're going to rinse your filter. Okay. And you should, as of tomorrow, you're going to thank me. Yeah. I will. And I always dump the pre-rinse. Oh, oh okay. yeah. I mean, that would, that would completely throw off your coffee. As it has been for the last God knows how many years, Monica, that's why you're in my life. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Okay. And then um, we'll get into the other two in a second. Traditional drip. Let's just do that one real quick. Okay. So I did a traditional drip last night for, we had uh, people over for Father's Day barbecue. Um, so I use now this is a heavy throw, but everyone's like, Oh my God, it's so good. So I'll give a plug to who I use. So I used Pete's major Dickinson's last mm. night. I did. And I, I do think they do a great job on their coffee. Um, and I used five ounces of coffee. Actually, it was like 5.2 because I have my scale and I uh -huh. measure it. Yeah. Um, I did 5.2 ounces of coffee for a half gallon brew. And it was like rich and delicious. And I mean, everyone's like, oh, this is really good. And then my dad, bless his heart, he's like, oh, what, what coffee is this? And I'm like, oh, Pete's Major Dickinson's. He's like, well, I have some at home but it doesn't taste like this. And I'm like, dad, you like, you need to use more coffee. Like, because again, you can have like the best, I mean, in, in like in each person's own opinion, like the best beans that they love, mm. but you could get a million different variations mm -hmm. on that coffee, depending on your, um, on your grind size and your throw weight. Okay. I so love it. Here's actually just kind of like a pretty yeah. funny story. So I was down um, doing a coffee tasting in Monterey and this was um, probably like 
19 years ago. And they wanted a fair trade and organic coffee. And at the time, like I just did not have, I had one coffee in my portfolio that was certified both. Well, you can't show up to the party with just one coffee, like, because you either like it or you don't like it. Right. Right. I was like, okay, what am I going to do here? So I took the one bean that the beans that I had and I brewed it four different ways. Uh And yeah, so I did, I did two that were the same throw weight, but two different grinds of coffee. And then the other two, you know, I used a different throw weight, but the same for those two pots of coffee and two different grinds. So I had four very different flavor profiles of coffee using the same bean. And it was so funny because, you know, I go into this tasting and the man is like, all right, Monica, what are we tasting? And I'm like, you know what? Why don't we go through the coffee and taste them first? And then we will talk about them after we evaluate them, like the whole batch. Mm. And he's like, all right. And so he had a very distinctive one that he liked the best. It was all the same beans, but just two different throw weights. And with that one, you know, two different grind sizes and the same for the other one. And then I told him and he couldn't believe it. He's like, oh, you got me on this one. I mean, it was, you know, it was no trick because I showed him specifically, you know, what we were, what we were doing, but, um, you know, that's how you can really fine tune your coffee by playing with it. And, uh, so it's just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it was a lab day for me to, you know, come up with these four recipes Mm. and make sure that, you know, I thought they tasted good. Um, But people have so many preconceived notions about coffee and some people are really brand loyal and Mm -hmm. matter what they're tasting. Like if it's not from said brand, they don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at another coffee tasting and um, company will go unnamed. And this lady is like, um, I only drink X brand. I'm like, okay. And, you know, she was like very, very, um, you know, she had very strong opinions about it and that that wasn't the brand I brought, but I do know, you know, kind of like competitive recipes or, you know, what, um, roast profiles go well and what, um, you know, origins or blends go well. So we did a blind tasting and her, you know, preferred coffee was in there and it actually, we tasted four coffees And, um, two of mine came out number one and number two, hers came out number three. And then one of mine came out number four. Wow. And she was a little indignant about it. Of course (laughs) she was. And so, I mean, just kind of like, you know, brand loyalty and all of that goes, you know, a long way. And, you know, I have to say that if you're out there, you know, looking at coffees, maybe try something that's a little bit different um, and don't, you know, because there could be some like really small roaster out there or a large roaster out there that has some really great coffees. That's a great advice. And um just real quick, and I, I'm going to guess the answer to this right off the bat. How far in advance should someone grind their coffee? Same day? 
Oh, like before, right before they do it. Okay, great. So you don't want to grind, uh, if you can help it, uh, an entire bag of coffee before you're going to use it. If you can do it same day or even like day before. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we talked about the person that's going to go to the store and buy their coffee for the week. If they don't have a grinder at home or if they have one of the little spice grinders, grind it at the store, but just, you know, keep it airtight in a, you know, dark place that will be better than, you know, getting an inconsistent grind. But yeah, if you can right before you do it, that's okay. great. Great. Um, so before we dive into listener questions, cause we have a few okay. and I've got my eye on the time, we need to talk about real quick cleaning cleaning your things because that's going to um be huge in the process and we're going to touch on one thing that i am so grossed out by in a second but um (laughs) i've seen it i know i've seen it and i don't even know what you're about to ask i know so and you're going to cringe when i say these these words but how does one clean properly a k-cup machine or I looked at her face as it's falling or like an espresso pod machine, those pod machines, which are very popular for. Well, you don't like, you just (laughs) you throw them away. No, I'm, I love Nespresso. I, I use Nespresso pods myself. Yeah. I actually, I do think Nespresso, like they are, I love them too. I have an espresso myself. Um, and they, I think they do it well. They sell cleaning kits that go with a scaling kit. Exactly. So that's super important also, depending on your water quality. And if you don't have good water quality, just go buy a like one gallon bottle of water at the store and use that water in there. That will really help. um, And you won't have as much like scale buildup on there. Um, How often should you clean your machines? I, okay. So it, it all depends on what type of machine you're using, um, with an espresso, depending on how often you use it. But I would say you probably want to like run their kit. Maybe like if you use it a lot, like, uh, once every four to six weeks on mm-hmm. there. Um, but you can also, you know, take a little, like a rag and, you know, where you put the capsula in, like go and like, just kind of clean it out because you can get some coffee on there from when it pierces the capsule. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so that's important. So, um, so again, I'm going to talk about a little bit more of like some food service, like large format applications that I've seen, um, you know, sometimes people will brew into like a huge urn and, Mm -hmm. um, those you want to make sure that those are cleaned with, um, like a biodegradable chemical cleaner. Um, like we have this, it's a white powder, it turns Mm -hmm. blue in water and it will then like, cause coffee has oil in it. What happens with oils, oils go rancid. So if you, even if like you have a thermos that you put your coffee in, after you wash it, even like you still might smell coffee. Well, you're smelling rancid oil in there. I mean, it really like disgusts me. So you will smell that. And again, there's so much with like the whole sensoric experience of coffee. If you're smelling rancid oils and you 
like brew with some beautiful coffee and you pour it in there, it's basically sitting in rancid oil and you're not getting that like just beautiful, um, like desired profile out of the coffee that you just made. So you will want to invest in a good cleaner that will remove all of the oils. Again, I use, um, like food service, like it's a food safe packet, Um, and what, what I do is like, if I'm using my big brewer, cause I, I do have a air popper pumped into my house. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will sprinkle the packet into the brew basket. I will run a, just like a cycle of water through it. And then I let it brew directly into my air pot. So you kind of get like a three for one in there. And you always want to make sure that the shower head, that's like where the water is coming out of, um, is wiped down nicely as well, because you'll get oils on there as well. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I've seen in really nice places where they just don't keep their stuff like in pristine condition. And again, like you just have to get into the process of cleaning everything. So, and then like, you know, when you go and if you're getting like an espresso based drink at your favorite coffee shop or whatever, you know, like you're going to see them do some things like, you know, hopefully you see them kind of like flush where the portafilter is and get some hot water in there first before they put the coffee grounds in there. You're going to see on the steam wand, they're going to purge the steam wand first because you get condensation built up in there. And oh God, I hope they've cleaned it because if you've ever seen a steam wand that has like caked on milk, like just think milk mites. Yeah. That's my next question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what is a milk mite and how how do you know when... How do you know when you have them, when they've moved in and how do you prevent them? Okay. (laughs) So yeah, don't ever let them move in. And, um, it, I mean, really like, as my grandma would have said, like cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm. Um, so you just want to make sure that you are, um, properly taking care of everything. So with your steam wand, um, I, when I would do training, I would always say like your drink isn't complete until your steam wand is clean. Um, you never want to, um, submerge the steam wand into, you know, like a container of like cleaning solution because of, um, there is a vacuum effect in those machines that it could possibly like suck up some water and then go into the tank. And then it's just like breeding and hot bacteria, um, in there. And every time you turn it on, um, you're, you know, imparting some of that, you know, gut wrenching bacteria into people's drinks. Um, so what I have also done so that you don't have to use like, just like, you know, like really powerful cleaners, honestly, you can take a slice of lemon or lime and you just rub it on the steam wand and it will take off all of that built on caked off like milk that is on there. You might have to put a little elbow grease on it, but it will cut through all of the baked on um, grime. And then, um, you do want to make sure that if you are steaming milk that you, you know, just purge that steam on quickly to get that condensation out of there, because you want, you know, you don't want to add any water, um, into, you know, like a fresh pot of, uh, milk. No at home, like right now, before we hopped on you, or when we just hopped on, you said you had a double shot of espresso and some warm cream. Mm-hmm. 
did you use a steam one to no, warm your cream? Like, How'd I, you warm your cream I used at home? Nespresso oh, your Nespresso frother. frother. Yeah. Me too. Love that. Yeah. How do you clean your Nespresso frother really well? Because on the bottom, if you have one and I have an old one, so mine um, is not like the bullet one. It has like the handle on the side. I'm old school with my <laughs> Nespresso. Okay, great. So on the very bottom where the heating element is, you will get a little bit of milk that is um, caked on slightly from the, does yours do that? Yeah. You know what it has definitely. And if I have someone over and I'm making like multiple drinks, yeah. um, actually what I do is I take a little of our, um, like detergent for the dishwasher and put a little bit in there. I put a little bit of hot water and then I actually put it on the cold cycle and let it foam that way. Afterwards you take the little middle piece off. Like mm-hmm. I always take the middle piece off and then I use my um, sponge and you just like wipe away everything. Okay, great. I love that. I, I, I do it too, but like, even then, if you make too many drinks in a row, like yeah. it does. And you're just like, son of a biscuit, like this is, <laughs> mm. and you yeah. don't want it to, that's, I'm guessing that's like milk mite territory. Like milk mites are like, yo, I'm moving in. What's up? Well, they could move in if you didn't clean it for like days on end. But, um, when I am making multiple drinks, I will rinse it with cold water just really quick and get any residue off there mm-hmm. because the heat can kind of cook it on there. So if you do have something, um, that's on there, you know, kind of good again, put some like cascade or whatever you use and let mm-hmm. it just let it sit for a couple of minutes and then give it like a really nice little scrub with your sponge and it will come right off because my milk frother is, I mean, it is, it's really old and it works works beautifully. It does. And that damn thing will froth anything. Like it really will like almond milk, soy milk, as long as the milk is fresh, really fresh, it'll froth. You'll know if your milk's not fresh because it won't froth. Yeah. No. And it'll like froth up and then just deflate. And you're like, Ooh, Yeah. You want a beautiful, beautiful, like, so, um, I really worked hard at trying to do that latte art and I just don't have, you can't do it with the frother, man. I know I, I do make beautiful clouds and, um, abstract hearts. So (laughs) you're like, see right there, there's a bird. If you look really care, oh, you missed it. Now it's now it's now a new cloud. Oh, I love that. I I make beautiful clouds. I love that. Okay. So do you want to answer a few listener questions? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Liz from Instagram writes, I have no time in the morning and have a typical K cup style coffee maker. I know it isn't super fancy, but is there any way to get a good cup from a K cup style coffee maker? Okay. So yes. Um, now again, I actually, I don't have a K cup. Um, and my, uh, my parents do though. They have a few different like brewing things. So Liz, if you have one of those little reusable K cups, pack as much coffee as you can into there. And then I'm going to ask that you kind of play with your grind size a little bit. Um, the finer the grind, the more extraction of the soluble solids you're going to get out of there. So first try it with what you have and pack as much coffee as you can into that little cup. You will see that it will take a lot longer for it to actually brew because the water is going to go into the grounds 
and like while it's in there, it's called contact time with any brewing method. Like the amount of time that the water sits with the grounds is your contact time. And that's where you extract your soluble solids and your flavor. So um, start with the grind that you have, pack it in there and kind of play with it. Like start your own little coffee lab for, you know, a couple of mornings and see what works for you to get a better, um, a better cup and would love to hear if that works for you. I love that. Um, I'm, we have one here. We don't use it anymore, but now I kind of want to have a little coffee lab moment. No, you should. I mean, coffee labs are super fun. Yeah. I love that. Ashford in Las Vegas writes, does the type of water matter filtered or not filtered? That is the question. Okay. I mean, we kind of touched on this already Ashford, but Monica will just reiterate. Yeah. So Ashford, it definitely does matter. Um, you just, you want just like a really good quality water. So again, if your water is hard water or soft water, um, it will make a difference. And if depending on how you're brewing it, if your water is too hard or too soft, just go and buy a gallon of water at the store. Just, you know, what, as long as it's not distilled water and, um, put that into your machine or into your pot to boil for whatever method you use. And that should make a difference because remember Ashford, coffee is over 99% water. Yeah, totally. Stanley from Instagram writes, I usually buy my coffee beans at the grocery store and grind them myself. Nice job, Stanley. We appreciate that. We do. How, how do I know if the beans I'm buying are really fresh? I mean, there's no date saying when they were packaged. Is there a way to buy them without going to South America? Is there a better way to buy them without going? Yeah. To- okay. So perfect. So Stanley, one thing that you could do is contact the roaster. Um, like go to their website, send them a message and ask them, be like, Hey, you know, I buy your beans and I want to know, you know, when they were, when they were roasted. Um, so find that out because there's a lot of, uh, dating that can go on a package. Like I worked for a company they they used Julian dates and I mean, oh my God, it was like deciphering a code on what's a Julian date. Oh, it's like, you know, different numbers and letters for the month, the year and the date that it was roasted or that it was produced. I mean, that's used all throughout manufacturing a Julian date and it's not easy to decipher. And I think sometimes I think manufacturers may do that a little bit so that it's not easily seen. And again, not just coffee manufacturers, but like everyone, like what, you know, when was that? Uh, produced. So um, reach out to them, find out. Um, And there are coffees out there in the store that do say when they were roasted. Um, I know like Pete's actually, they stamp it right on there when it was roasted so Mm. that you know. I love that. And obviously Julian, who discovered this dating process needed a bigger hug from his mother because that is bullshit to have (laughs) such horrible practices, Julian, just saying, but Stanley, hopefully that helped Josh from Instagram writes. Some coffee is so expensive. Is it really worth the price tag? What makes this coffee so expensive and should I buy it? Okay. Excellent question. Excellent question. Um, just because a coffee is super expensive, it doesn't make it good. Mm -hmm. Um, Now there are, you know, some things, number one, are there certifications attached to it? Because those certifications do cost the plantation owner money to have. 
Um, you know, and then like, you know, the roaster, like they're not generally the ones that are growing the coffee, you know, they're buying it, you know, either off the New York market or, you know, um, through some type of coffee broker. Um, maybe the roaster might just get a ton of margin from, you know, from that and, um, and just have, or have really high overhead. So, you know, look and see what do they say about the coffee on there? Is it a, you know, and just because something's single origin doesn't really mean that it doesn't make it any better than a blend. Um, but look and see what they say about their coffee or how they roast or what they do things. Um, it could be like a really high, um, grade of coffee that's in there that will be more expensive. Um, so you really just have to look and see what they say about it. We never touched on that. What are some of the grades of coffee? Like, cause you so, mentioned specialty grades in the beginning, but we didn't really dive into it. And this might be a nice time to chat for a second. Yeah. About so just grades. super quick coffee grades. Think about it as like the coffee, the, the bean size. Okay. So kind of the higher, the bean size, the higher, the grade, the lower, the bean size, the lower, the grade. And so, I mean, that's just kind of like in a nutshell. And again, the same coffee tree shrub can make different grades of coffee. And is one, I mean, even though one might be like an A and another one's an F, is the A one, does that taste historically taste better than the latter version? The F one, you know, is the bigger bean taste better than the smaller bean? I mean, I know taste is subjective, but, um, it, it, okay. It would be more desirable to have a higher, like okay. size of bean and you're going to be able to roast it and kind of like a roasting, you're really getting the like different flavor characteristics out of it. So you actually have a little bit more room to play with that. Ah, okay. Um, and does it say that on the packaging? Some of it could say it again. It really depends on the marketing essence that people, you know, put into their packaging. It's so confusing and fascinating all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary and Florida writes, let's talk coffee filters. Oh my God, Rosemary, we're like soul sisters. I have a Chemex coffee maker. There are two kinds of filters for it. This is so true. White ones and natural ones. Does it matter which I use? I wasn't sure if the bleach filters changed the flavor. Rosemary. Okay. Rosemary. Excellent. You're really in tune to this. I love it. Um, so when I'm buying it, I always buy the non-bleached ones because mm. I feel like you can definitely, there is a, a smell. I'm not going to say an aroma. Cause when I talk about coffee, I talk about aromas. Um, but I think you do get a bit of a smell from you it. So, again, it's super important to, to rinse it. Do and you then rinse your, your natural one too. Oh, well, I do because that's part of like the, it's just the ritual. part of my process. And also I think like when I'm doing, or when I was doing a training, I would always like get people in that practice of doing mm. it. And so, but yeah, just, just give it a rinse. I mean, it's, it's a paper product, right? Mm -hmm. Rinse that filter. I'm writing that yeah. down because Beth now is always going to rinse her filters. Yes. Well, and I want to hear from you tomorrow if it made a difference. Oh girl, I'll text you. Um, okay. Emily from Instagram writes, what is your favorite recipe? Sweet or savory? Doesn't matter that uses coffee. And then I want to dovetail on this and I want to talk about coffee and dessert pairings real quick. Oh yeah. Oh God. Mm, okay. Dessert. Okay. All right. Um, 
Okay. So, I mean, I would have to say if I'm doing, if I'm baking and I love to bake things, um, if I'm doing anything chocolate, I always add some coffee to it. And, um, whether it be kind of, there's some like espresso granules, like dried espresso, like it's great. Or I will make, um, some shots of espresso and put it in there. And I really think that it like brings out the flavor of your chocolate. million percent. It does. I totally agree with you. Okay. Coffee and dessert pairings quickly. Let's do it. sister. Oh God. Oh, I wish that we could like actually do some together. They're so delicious. Okay. So think about like wine and cheese or, or food pairings, beer and food pairings, same thing that goes along with your coffee. So if you are going to have like a Sara Lee pound cake, <laughs> um, as it comes come full circle. Oh. Yeah. So, um, you're actually like, it's just kind of like a dense buttery dessert, um, versus if you are going to have say like a key lime tart, that's yeah. really bright. Um, you're actually like for your key lime tart, you're actually going to want to have a coffee that has some brightness and complexity with it. So I always think like a Colombian in like a medium roast, you get that like brightness from it and you want that to stand up to your coffee. Whereas that like buttery dense pound cake, or just like a simple cake that you're going to have, um, you want something that is a little bit more like mellow. So maybe like a medium roast coffee. Um, you know, if you wanted to do, I don't know, like, well, like with chocolate, you would want it. Like, I love like an Ethiopian Yergashefi coffee. Like again, that it's going to be like complex and deep and like well-rounded, you know? And so the same type of thing you want, like just a really smooth cup of coffee for that, like buttery dessert too. Mm. Would you do the same Ethiopian blend? for the buttery dessert that you would for the chocolatey dessert, or would you do something totally different? Well, I do love an Ethiopian coffee. They're just so delicious. Um, I mean, really you could do as long. I would say if it's like a medium roast coffee and something that has just like a good body to it, Mm -hmm. um, you could do with that too. Okay. I love it. We could talk so much more about that. Now I want a dessert. I want a, I want a pound cake of some kind and some kind of Ethiopian coffee. (laughs) All right. Ella from Instagram writes, I'm someone who lives for my morning cup of coffee in the winter and fall. It's hot coffee is all I want. But in the late spring and summer, it's all about iced coffee, particularly cold brew. Do you have any tips for making really good cold brew? Okay. So love cold brew as well. Um, and it's just, it's so easy to make. You just can't rush the process. So, I mean, so again, you're going to kind of have to coffee lab it for yourself at home. And it might take you a couple of times to get your recipe really great. Um, but get whatever beans you absolutely love your grind on that. You're not going to want a super fine grind. You're just going to want like a medium to a coarse grind on it. And then, um, just some really high quality water, um, that, and then let it, let it sit for, I would say like at least 20 hours. Room temp water, room temp water. Okay. Room temp 
20 hours. And that and obviously I usually I'll put mine in the refrigerator. You could leave it out on the counter, but you okay. want to make sure obviously that it's sealed up. Okay. So it's okay. Put it in the fridge. I like the idea of the fridge. We'll play it safe. We, we don't want any foodborne illnesses on here. And Monica and I are not, you can't sue us if you get one. Um, okay. So you put it in the fridge and then you take it out and you're going to strain it. Because mm-hmm. uh, my guess is, I mean, if you do it in a French press, then you can plunge it. But I don't know if you want to make cold brew in a French press. I see people making it in like a mason jar or like a... I mean, I've, I've actually made it in a French press before. It's not my go-to method though, but it was just, I just made it some cold brew and I, it was, what do you make yours in? Do you use like a Mason jar kind of thing with a lid? Um, (laughs) I have like a big food tub that I use and, um, then I will just, I put a ton of coffee in there and I like it really strong because, you know, if you're depending, like I would put it into like like a protein shake or something like mm. that. Are you going to like, how do you enjoy it after you have it? Do you just want to put it on ice and drink it black? Do you want to add some of your favorite creamer to it? Do you put milk? Do you dilute it? I mean, so kind of the recipe kind of dictates or your preferred preparation method dictates how you're going to brew it. Like if you're going to make it really strong, um, I like it really strong, but then if I put like a little bit of cream in it, it just kind of like mellows it and softens mm. it up a little bit. I love that. And then do you just use a regular rinsed coffee filter to strain said coffee? Um, I will use a, um, a cheesecloth. Oh, okay. You can do that, or you can use a big coffee filter for it. Just make sure you pour very slowly. Like I will put just because again, I make a big container of it. Um, I will use like a big sieve that I have and I will put my filter inside of that. And then I just kind of slowly pour it in batches. Yeah. It takes time labor of love, but then it'll keep in the fridge for a few days and yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Awesome. Just delicious. I'm going to make some this week. I love that. I am too. Terrace from Instagram writes, where has slash what has been your best cups of coffee? <sighs> Terrace, okay. Well, um, I really have to say probably one of the most memorable cups of coffee I have, but it's so subjective because I think like if you're sitting on like a beautiful balcony somewhere overlooking something like tropical or just gorgeous, that plays so much into it. Um, but I have to say it actually was in Barcelona. Um, and it was just, it was actually like their cafe con leche and it was just amazing. The coffee was so flavorful and, um, like it was just like the perfect balance of milk in there. And it was just, it was beautiful. Mm. And for people who don't know, cafe con leche is basically, um, a Spanish version of a cappuccino, right? Like, or yeah, a latte. Yeah, like, well, yeah, a lot less milk in it. And it's yeah. like, you like a cream and there, and it just, it's just delicious. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's just, there are, I've, I've had the pleasure of having so many different delicious cups of coffee. Um, and, you know, sometimes like my favorite cup of coffee is one that somebody else made for me, <laughs> Totally, and, you know, but like some mornings I'll go and sit out by the fire pit in the backyard and it's just, um, 
it's quiet time. It's also a ritual. Like when you hold a warm cup of coffee in your hands and you like actually feel the heat, um, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it really is. And just savor that cup of coffee. Couldn't agree more. So what are you currently making at home right now? Anything yummy? Well, um, I just actually finished off that Pete's major Dickinson's, Mm -hmm. which was really delicious. And then, um, yesterday at the store, I bought a medium roast Colombian by a very, and I've never tried this roaster before. Um, it's a roaster out of Santa Cruz and, um, I will try that coffee and see what I think of it. And I'll definitely try some different like uh, methods with it. You're so into the Chemex. I think I'll have to try the Chemex first. Please do report back. Um, all right. So I know usually this is the time when I'd ask somebody like promote yourself, how to get a hold of you. But I think because, uh, in case anyone out there has any more like deep burning coffee questions and don't burn your coffee, um, and you want to talk to Monica and slide into her DMS, what's your Instagram handle for people? Yeah. So definitely if anyone has any um, burning questions, uh, DM me at frosted collection on Instagram. Um, yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, anything coffee related because I love coffee and having a great cup of coffee is it's an experience and it should be treated as an experience. Like absolutely savor it. It's, it's a ritual, right? Like absolutely. Yeah. So this is the last question I ask everyone. If you normally, I say if COVID wasn't a thing, which take it or leave it, whatever anyone's point of view is. I still think it's a little bit of a thing personally, but you know, I mean, Hey, whatever. And you had all the money in the world. Where are you going? And what are you normally I say eating, but drinking in this case, maybe or eating. Oh God. Um, you know what? I think it would be incredible to do a tour of different coffee regions and different plantations. And, you know, I think, we have the luxury of just going to the store and picking one of, you know, 50 different coffees out there and getting to try that. Um, and I haven't been to origin, um, but it's from everything that I've seen from like green team experts that are out there. Um, it's really humbling to know the journey that coffee takes and, um, you know, coffee is definitely, you know, in it's a growing in a lot of third world countries. And um, to think of the true journey that it takes the bean to get into your cup, it touches so many different people. Um, so I feel that I have an appreciation for it, though I haven't experienced it. I do think that that would be a really great experience to go and be on a plantation with people and help in the process. I love that. Monica, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and having this beautiful conversation about coffee. I got to share a cup of coffee with you today and it meant the world to me. And you are such a just warm soul and now a good friend in my world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Beth, thank you so much. And again, um, if people have more coffee questions, please let us know um, because coffee is an amazing um, thing and it should just be enjoyed by everybody. Totally agree. All right, Monica, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, sister. Bye. 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 
Monica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and having such a beautiful and rich conversation and sharing your knowledge about something you're so passionate about, all things coffee. And I can tell you again right now, everyone, I have been rinsing my Chemex filter for two weeks and man, oh man, does it make a difference with my coffee? It a million percent does. So Monica's tips are legit. Truly, I will link all of her information in the show notes. If you have additional questions for her, feel free to reach out through Instagram. If you've got questions for the podcast, please send me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Tag me in your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. And of course, go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. All right. All of you out there. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for listening. I hope you make some yummy food together this weekend. Leave with kindness, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye.